Through the eyes of men it seemed there's so much we have lost. As we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked. And one by one the enemy has whispered lies and led them off as slaves. But we know that you are God, yours is the victory. We know there is more to come that we may not yet see. So with the faith you've given us, we step into the valley unafraid. We call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. We call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive. Up out of the ashes, let us see an army start the service this morning. Uh, Church office staff will be serving at the soup kitchen on Tuesday, February 14th. If anyone is interested in going along, call the office or one of the staff members uh, and they'll put you in. Tori says there's still time to turn in any recipes for the cookbook. Although they will be reissuing the old cookbook, they're wanting to add all the new additions they can and an updated design. So if you could email those to Tori. Uh, at her email address there in the worship bulletin, 
That would be awesome. The Otis Spunkmeyer cookie dough sale is on. Uh, an important fundraiser for the senior and junior high youth going to camps this summer. So if you can help them out by buying some cookie dough or supporting them, they would be well appreciated. Coming up after Ash Wednesday, we start our wonderful Wednesday program in, in March, March 8th to April 5th. Uh, we had a meeting the other night here at church, uh, an organizational meeting, and uh, it's going to be a great program again. It's a great outreach that we do to our community. We do need a few people, though, yet uh, in hands to help make it successful. Uh, the pay is really good, although it's not money. So if you've got time and, and you want to help, uh, it's, it's just a wonderful time, not only for the uh, young kids that come from after school, but also anyone that helps. Uh, it's just a great time. And uh, during greeting time this morning, if you have a chance, uh, give a big happy birthday to Dennis Henson. <laughs> Let's all stand and join in the call to worship. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as my as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Let's remain standing and sing, sing hymn number 349, Trust, Obey.
the children to come forward for children's chat with Maria Lammers, and while they're doing that, we have time to greet our neighbors. Good morning. How are you guys this morning? Good. Oh, I'm glad you're good. Hey, what came home from school last Friday? Report cards. Do report cards make you nervous? <laughs> we have a mixed answer here. Not The girls aren't worried, but the boys are a little worried. Okay? So, I remember way back in the day when I would get my report card, it would make me a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Okay? The teacher would start to pass them out, and you'd wonder what was inside. What would the report card say about my work at school? You know, everything... All my homework, all my test grades for the last nine weeks was right there on that piece of paper for mom and dad to see. And I wondered, I wondered, you know, the time I tried to tell my teacher that the dog ate my homework, was that going to show up on my report card? No. Or the time, or the time that the TV show was more exciting than studying for my test, would that show up on my report card? Well, it might show up on my report card, okay? Oh, now I'm sure none of you have had to worry about being sent to the principal's office, right? No, you would never want to go to the principal's office. I'm glad that none of you have ever been there. Let's work to keep it that way, okay? So, as I'm getting my report card, I'm wondering, is it too late? Can I pray to God? Do you think he could change what's on my report card to make it better? You think that can work? No, that's not going to work, is it? No, that's not going to work. But we don't need to worry about our report card because we put the time in. We do our homework and we study. But just as surely as the report card day came to school, the Bible teaches us that each of us must answer God for the kind of life we live. God has given us the Bible to tell us exactly what he expects of us. It teaches us that we should do what we should what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Just as we have to study and prepare ourselves for the work that we have to do at school, we must study God's word to do our best to follow his teachings. Okay? We must do ourselves we must do our best to prepare ourselves that whenever that When we answer to God, we will not have to be ashamed of what we have done. Now, sometimes moms and dads aren't always real pleased with our report cards. But we know that they still love us because we're their kids. Okay? And they're going to love us no matter what. Okay? Just like when we mess up, God loves us no matter what because we're his children. Okay, so let's say a quick prayer. Dear Lord, help me to study your word and to prepare myself to be the kind of child in which you can be proud. Thank you for loving me even when I don't measure up to what you expect. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week. Thank you, Maria. You know, I come up here, uh, usually one of the first things I do in the service every week is come up here and pray. And, and I often mention, you know, the names that are listed in the bulletin and other concerns that may be on our hearts and minds for uh, for us to lift up, lift up to the Lord in prayer. Uh, but before I do that this morning, I just want to read a word of encouragement from, from God's Word. It's James chapter uh, chapter 5. And it talks about prayer and really why, why we do what we do. You know, it, it can be... Um, 
When we, when we just do things week in, week out, it can become just kind of routine, and we may forget why we do these things. And so James chapter 5 gives, gives a little insight into why we, why we should be praying for each other, and especially for those who are sick and in need. Uh, James 5, uh, beginning with verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for those, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Um, I think it's just important to remember that we should be continuing to lift each other up in prayer, not just here on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week, because prayer is an important thing. And, and as we lift each other up to the Lord, as we make our concerns known, uh, he, can, he will hear our prayer and, and answer them. It may not always be the way we expect but it'll be the way that, that we need because we want to always be, be looking to be in God's will. So let's pray together then for these concerns and, and others that may come to mind. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this reminder about the importance of prayer, that as we, as we continually lift each other up week in, week out, um, Lord, sometimes the names don't always change in our bulletin. Sometimes there's new ones. Uh, but, but each one of them represents people who are in need in some way. Uh, maybe it's physical, they're in need of physical healing, or um, there's some other issues going on in their lives, Lord. Uh, but you know exactly what it is they need. Um, you simply call us as your people to lift them up to you in prayer. Um, and it says that, that prayer here is effective. It does make a difference. And so we faithfully do that, Lord, in response to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with each of these names and, and, and be in the midst of those situations. I pray that your will would be done, uh, not ours, because often, Lord, we think we know what we want and we think we know what's best. Um, but, Lord, I, I, I pray that your will would be done and that, and that everything, Lord, um, you would get the glory. We do pray for healing for those who are sick. Um, we pray for those who are in need of, of other things, maybe comfort, uh, peace in their lives. We pray that you would be the source of it all, Lord, and that, and that in everything they would be able to turn to you and trust you through the hardship that they're facing at this time. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your promises that you've made us in your word. And I pray that we as a church and as a community would learn to continue to put our trust and our hope in those promises. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Uh, the offering this morning goes to support the Auglaise County Group Home and the Auglaise County Crisis Center.
have your Bibles with you this morning, you can open up to 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convicted of, convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word of the Lord. Thank you again, Maria. I invite you all to now stand and sing with us numbers 272, Thy Word. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, once again, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to stand here and to uh, preach your word. I pray that you would give me words to speak, and I pray you'd open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. Uh, Lord, I pray that that what I say today would be um, an encouragement to those that are here and that are listening on the radio, and I pray that you would... um, you would receive the glory this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. Well, we're continuing on uh, through, our, through our series on the mission statement here, and, and, I, and I hope and pray that you guys have been continuing to, to join us and to, to be following along in your, in your sermon, in your, in your um, bulletin, in your Bibles, and, and for those of you who are, who are note takers and like to follow along in those, in those booklets that we provided for you. Um, as we continue to work through this mission statement, I think it's important because they continue to build on each other. I alluded to that last week. And as we, as we dig deeper into, into what it means for us to be the church and to, to live out our faith in this way, um, each week we'll kind of continue to build on the weeks that come before it. Uh, so, so the first two E statements that we looked at over the last two weeks uh, dealt with our relationship with God and being, being rooted in Christ. Uh, we talked about how it's important for us to encounter our Creator and, and then embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to become His disciples. 
You know, we want to know God. We want to, we want to be in a relationship with Him. You know, that's, that's His goal in, in making Himself known to us is that we would seek Him out and, and not just know Him, but, but accept Him as Lord and Savior and become His disciples. And over these next three weeks, beginning with today, we're going to talk about how to develop that relationship and how we can grow together as a church. Uh, we're going to take a look today at how we should be empowered by God's living word, the Bible. And, and next week, we'll engage, talk about what it means to engage with the Holy Spirit to provide guidance and direction. And then we'll look at the, the statement to encourage others to know Christ and strengthen their relationship with him. And then in a few weeks, we'll, on February 19th, we're going to wrap up by taking a look at, at having an outward focus in our church. And that's to go forth, or excuse me, to enrich the body of Christ by going forth and supporting fellow disciples. So as you can see, we're going to keep building on, on one statement after the other. And, and, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at how we can grow in our relationship with God. And, and the first part of that, the first key to, to maturing in our faith and growing in our relationship with Him is being um, rooted in His Word. God's Word is foundational to our relationship with Him. I've mentioned over the last few weeks that God has chosen to reveal Himself to us. That He, as, as the Creator God of the universe, has made Himself known. And that in itself is a miracle. Right? He could have been, could have just put everything in motion and just left it be as is and just kind of observed us from afar. But instead, he's made himself known to his creation. It would be like Shakespeare, you know, um, letting Romeo and Juliet know that he existed, right? You know, and, and that just blows my mind that God would reach out to us in that way. And one of the ways he did that is through creation, uh, that, that he is kind of in general made himself known to us. Uh, there's a, I remember sitting in, in college in a philosophy class and, and a professor talking about the, the idea of, of a footprint in the mud and what we can learn from that. Um, if someone were to come across a, a footprint in the mud and, and they'd be able to tell some things about the animal or the person, I guess, that made it, right? Uh, maybe what kind of size they are, you know, based on the, the shape of the footprint that may tell a little bit about what shape or what kind of animal it is. Um, but you can't know everything about something from the footprint. You can know it was there. You can know it made an impact, right? You can know some things about it, but you can't know everything, and so in a way, creation has revealed to us, it's like that footprint in the, in the mud. Uh, we know that a God exists. We can see God working in creation. Uh, but, but we need to know more about God in order to really have a relationship with him. And that's where God's word comes into play. Um, you know, suppose you have a book that describes the animal that made the footprint. It would give you a whole lot more knowledge about that animal. It would give you a whole lot more information about what the animal looks like and the kind of animal it is that the foot, than the footprint could ever give you. And in the same way, that's what God's Word does for us. We can look at creation and, and know about God and, and see Him working through nature um, and how He's revealed Himself in that way, but we can't fully know Him. We can't truly be in a relationship with Him apart from how he's revealed himself, first and foremost, through Jesus Christ and, and through his word. Um, and so that's what we're taking a look at today. So therefore, if we truly want to encounter our creator and embrace Jesus Christ as Lord, like we've talked about the last couple weeks, we'll need to be empowered by God's word. Uh, for those of you who were at the annual meeting last week, uh, Glenn opened up our time together by reading from Psalm chapter 1. And I think it's such a great description of what it means to have God's word as a foundation for what we do in our own lives, but also as a church. And I, you know, that has been kind of rattling around in my, in my mind this past week. And so I want to share it with you again uh, for those of you who are with us, or, or maybe uh, if you weren't at the annual meeting, it'll be for the first time in a while. But Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like a chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Verse 3 there talks about how, how that person, the one who delights in the law of the Lord and, and meditates on it day and night, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields a fruit in season. You know, so the, the picture is this idea of a tree that, that's never going to wither and die because it has its, its roots dug deep in God's Word. 
it has that source of life and, and, and nutrition coming to it so that no matter whether it's rainy or not rainy, no matter what the weather's like, no matter what season it's in, that tree will be sustained because it is planted firmly in God's word. Or, excuse me, the, the tree's planted firmly next to the river. We are, we should be planted firmly in God's word. In any relationship, we've talked about how in order to become spiritually mature, we'll therefore need to invest time in God's Word. In order to be like that tree planted by the river, we'll need to invest in that relationship. We'll need to spend time in God's Word and build on our relationship in that way. And that's true for any relationship we have if we think about it. Right? Any, any, any relationship we have, whether it's husband, wife, friends, children, you need to invest in it in order for it to grow and to develop. You need to spend time with that other person. Um, now, it's true for, for some friendships, right? You can spend some time away and then come back, and it's like you, you never missed a beat. But, but that relationship doesn't grow during that time apart. In order for a relationship to grow and to mature, you really need to spend time together and spend quality time together and to be intentional about it, to choose to spend time together, right? Relationships don't just happen by accident, right? They don't grow and develop by accident. You need to invest in it and be intentional about it. And the same is our, true in our relationship with God. He desires that we intentionally spend time with Him and, and put effort and put, uh, um, choose to be with Him and, and spend time in His Word. Another passage that, that goes along with this theme is actually the second half of Psalm 19. Uh, when we talked about encountering our Creator, we looked at verses 1 through 6, and it talked about how, how the heavens declare the glory of God, right? And it talks about how, how we can um, see creation uh, practically shouting out that there is a Creator. Uh, and and the, the rest of the psalm, which I'm not going to read for you for the sake of time, but if you're interested, it would be a good one to go back and look at. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 14 then turn the, you turn the page and, and, and he goes from talking about nature and how nature declares God's glory. And it goes on to talk about the law of the Lord, the word of God and how, how beautiful and majestic it is. Um, and so, so there are, in a sense, two sides of the same coin. We can learn about God through how he's revealed himself through nature. But more importantly, and more specifically, we learn about God uh, through how he's revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ, and through the, his word, the Bible. And so that brings us to our, our passage for today, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And, and this letter is, is a, written by Paul um, to his uh, friend, to his partner in ministry, Timothy. And we see Timothy's name pop up a few times in the New Testament. He was, he was um, someone that Paul kind of took under his wings and, and, and showed him uh, the truth of God's word and, and brought him into a relationship with Christ, but also helped to uh, nurture and grow him as a leader and a pastor in those local churches. Timothy was one of the guys that Paul would often send to a church, right, with the letter and say, say, Timothy's coming to you and he's going he's gonna to help, uh, help you through this difficult time or whatever you may be facing. And so this letter uh, is actually addressed to Timothy and it's some advice that Paul is giving him as a leader in the church, as a elder or pastor, however you may want to to look at it. And this passage that we're looking at today uh, about the importance of God's word kind of falls right in the middle of these warnings that, that Paul gives him about false teachers and about people who, who are putting God's word aside for, for their own comfort and their own, uh, to indulge their, their own desires. And so in order to stay strong and, and stand strong in his faith, Paul encourages Timothy to continue on. He says, continue on in what you've learned and what you've been convinced of. The idea is that, that he's encouraging him to keep pressing forward in what he's learned. Keep holding on to what he's done. Uh, I played a lot of sports and when I was growing up. I played football and basketball when I you know, was through middle school and high school. Um, and I learned one thing about going through those, those sports. And for those of you who are runners or athletes, you, you understand the same thing. That it can be really easy to want to give up when you're in practice, when you're in the weight room. Uh, when, when you're, you know, running sprints on, 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 uh, cardio day, right? It, you want to just give up. You want to be done with it. But if you, if you do, you're never going to become the athlete, become the player that you desire to be. In order to, in order to really stand strong, in order to improve yourself, in order to make a difference on that team, you need to keep striving forward. You can't give up as soon as you feel like it. You can't just, uh, 
you know, quit when the going gets rough. You need to stand strong and keep with it. And, and in doing so, you'll train your body to, to improve and to be the athlete that hopefully you want to be. Now, um, it only goes so far, of course, <laughs> you know, when you speak about athletics. You know, I, of course, didn't go on to play in college or anything like that. But, but you have this desire to, to, that's the same idea that Paul is talking about here with Timothy. Keep on, continue on, strive forward, even when it's hard, even when you feel like giving up, keep holding on. That's what he's encouraging Timothy to do. And he says to continue on in what you've learned, in what you've been convinced of. I'm convinced that, that Paul here is talking about more than just simple head knowledge. Right? He's talking about a conviction that Timothy has, a commitment that he's made to God's word. And a conscious decision that he's made to trust in the truth of it. See, head knowledge only gets us so far. We can know the Bible cover to cover. We can memorize scripture um, from now till Jesus comes back. But if it doesn't make an impact in our lives, if we haven't been convinced of it, it's not really making a difference. And so we need to know God's word. We need to be aware of it and have a head knowledge of it, of course. But we need to be convinced of it as well. We need to make that commitment like Timothy had made to truly believe in it and live it out. And Paul says that that part of that learning, part of that commitment comes from uh, the people that Timothy learned it from. uh, the, The spiritual teachers and mentors that he had made a difference. And Paul was one of them, but he also... Uh, had some people in his family that made a difference in his life. If you look back at First Timoth- or Timothy chapter 1, uh, you see that as his mother and his grandmother raised him in the faith and taught him God's word from infancy. And so, so his family, as well as Paul, made a huge impact in his life. And it was from, from their example, from the way that they conducted themselves, that uh, Timothy was able to learn and grow from that. And as a, as a teacher of, of God's word, as a preacher, that it's kind of an intimidating thought that that the way I conduct myself, the way I live makes an impact on whether or not you will receive it. Um, that's not the only factor, of course, but but as 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 a as a teacher, as as um, relationships go, the people that we learn stuff from makes a difference. Um, I don't want to be one of those teachers that says, do as I say, not as I do. You know, that that won't go very far. I want to be able to model that and live it out so that you and others can see it and be convinced of it, just like Timothy was with Paul and with his family. And so teachers should model truth and in, in, with their lives and actions. Um, the same goes for parents and children, right? We may, as, as a parent, I want Josephine to learn certain things, but if she, she sees me saying one thing and doing something else, she's not really going to be convinced of it. Um, we need to model our lives for our children so that they can learn and grow as well. Um, and the same is true for matters of faith. And teachers, um, excuse me, we should follow someone only so far as they follow Christ. And that when I stand up here and talk about the responsibility I have as a, as a, as a pastor and as a preacher, um, and, and my desire for you to learn from me, it's not that you would learn from me, it's that you'd learn from God's Word and that you'd learn to follow Christ and not just me. Because um, it's not about me. Part of our, our um, the introduction to our mission statement talks about how Jesus Christ is the head of this church. Not any pastor, not any group of elders, but he is the head of this church. And so my job as pastor is to point you to him, is to help you to follow him more closely. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. See, that's the important thing, is that, that you would learn to follow him more closely, not, not just follow me any more closely. And so the way that Timothy can stand strong in the faith and continue on in the commitment that he's made, uh, Paul writes, is because of the importance of God's word, because of what we can learn from that. In verse 15, it talks about the purpose of God's word, and that's to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, God's word, the Bible is there to point people towards the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus Christ. Now, I want to make a distinction here, and I want to try to say this as carefully as I can. Uh, The Bible itself does not save us, right? Reading your Bible every day, memorizing scripture as as much as you can, isn't in itself going to save you. 
It's only through what Christ has done for us that, that we are saved. It's through a relationship with Him and putting our trust and our faith in Him. What the Bible does, what God's Word does, is reveals what Christ has done for us. And it points us toward Christ. There's a book I read once that talked about how, how um, it used, uh, used nautical terms in order to, to kind of explain the faith. And it talked about how Christ is the North Star. He's the one um, that we orient our, our lives by. Just as a, just as a ship out at sea um, can find its way by, by orienting, orienting, orientating itself towards the North Star, the Bible is like our compass. It points us in the right direction. When we're not sure where that North Star is in the sky, when we're not sure where to find it, the Bible helps point us in that direction. And, and it's a guide for us so that we can know Christ and be in a relationship with him. I know there are, there are people out there that know God's word front and back, but yet they lack a relationship with Christ. And that's sad because, because the compass isn't going to do you much if it's not pointing you in the right direction. Right? If you're not following the direction that it's pointing you towards, um, it's not going to save you. That's why we need to um, have that relationship with him and, 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 and grow out of that. The purpose is to, to make us wise for salvation, to let us know how we can be saved, and that's only through Jesus Christ, the Savior. We, we see the purpose of Scripture to make us wise for salvation, but it also we see the authority of Scripture, that the Bible is inspired by God. Uh, the word that Paul hears, and it depends on your translation that you read, uh, it'll either say that, that God, all of Scripture is God-breathed or all Scripture is inspired by God. Um, some people have, have difficulty translating it because what Paul did is he actually took the word for God and the word for breathe and just kind of smashed them together and made a word out of it. And so, so the, the literal translation is all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's this picture of, of God just as he, as he breathed life into Adam, the first man, as Jesus breathed on his, on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the idea of, of God, you know, breathing life into these words. Second Peter one twenty one uh, alludes to this as well. It says, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, that, that humans played a part. Paul was human like us, right? Peter was human. Um, all these other David who wrote so many of the Psalms was human, but it, but it was there. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write those words. There's difference in personality and in the literature and all that stuff. Um, anyone who's read through the Bible can see the differences that are there in terms of style and grammar and all of that stuff. But the one thing that they all have in common is that they're inspired by God. Second Peter 3.16 um, you know, when, when Paul wrote this, all they had to go on was the Old Testament. You know, that was their Bible at the time. And, and over time, we see the, the development of the New Testament as well. Uh, but that was even beginning to happen in, in their day. Second Peter 3.16, uh, Peter is actually talking about Paul. says that sometimes he's a little hard to understand. Anybody can relate to that? Yeah, definitely. He writes, uh, he's talking about Paul. He says, he writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So Peter is putting Paul and his letters on the same level as the Old Testament. So even from those earliest days, they were recognizing the inspiration of, of those scriptures. And the Holy Spirit was working in and through the original authors to create the inspired word of God. And so... Um, the reason why Paul is sharing this here is, is not to you know, create this whole theological argument about the inspiration of Scripture. While that is important, he's sharing that because he's going to go on to talk about the reason why the Bible can point us towards salvation, can make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The reason why it can be helpful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness and, and equipping us for good works is because it is the Word of God, because it is inspired by Him. If it weren't so, then all those other things wouldn't really be, wouldn't really matter. It wouldn't be true. But because we can trust that it is God's word, because we can trust that, that God himself inspired these words, 
we can know that they are useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Does that make sense? So that's what that's the argument that Paul's making is is we need to understand that these are God's words, that these are this is what God intended for us to have to help us to know him better. And because of that, these other things are true. The function of the Bible then is true. And so what is that function? It says that it's useful and profitable for four things. The first one is teaching. Uh, God's word reveals truth about God, um, creation and people, among other things, the nature of the church. God's word reveals to us uh, the truth about those things. How, it's how God has chosen to make himself known to us. Um, and it's sufficient for our faith. In other words, we don't need new revelation in order for us to know about God. There's not anything else we need besides what we read in the Bible. God has not given us all the answers we want, but he's given us the ones that we need. In other words, we're not going to find a quick, easy answer to everything in life in the pages of the Bible. But he's given us the, what we do need. He's given us encouragement. He's given us support. And he's, given us, he's revealed to us who he is and how we can be saved. And that is, is all that we need. We may want more at times. We may want God to spell things out and write things in the sky. But, but for, for our sake, um, all that we need in order to be saved and have a relationship with him is revealed in his word. Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That was Romans 15.4. So what was written, what, what we have today as God's word, was written to encourage us and to, to provide hope and endurance in our lives. So teaching, Scripture reveals truth about God and who He is and, and how we can have a relationship with Him. But it also rebukes us. And what, what Paul's talking about here is, is Scripture often points out errors in our thinking and in our beliefs. Um, in Mark eight thirty one through 33, uh, Jesus and Peter have this has inter- interesting encounter. Jesus had just, or excuse me, Peter had just recognized Jesus as the, the Messiah, the Christ for the first time. It's the first time in the gospel that, that someone recognizes Jesus for who he truly is. And at that point, Jesus begins to share how the Son of Man, how he himself must suffer and die and, 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 and be crucified and be rejected by the leaders of Israel. And Peter starts to pull him aside and says, you can't do that stuff. You can't let those things happen to you. And it says that Jesus rebuked him in that moment. And the reason he rebuked him is he says, you have, um, you have, you don't have the things of God on your mind. You have the things of man, right? Your, your focus isn't on heavenly things. Your focus isn't on the truth of God's word. Your focus is on, on on yourself and on what you desire. You see, Peter had a misconception about who the Messiah was. He thought that, that Jesus was going to come in and, and kick out all the Romans and set up the kingdom of God right there in Israel at that time. He didn't understand that the Messiah was going to have to suffer and die for our sake, was going to have to die on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. He had a misunderstanding of who Jesus really was. And so Jesus needed to correct him and point out the error that he had in order for him to see the truth. See, it's loving to rebuke someone, but you need to do it in love. John 1 says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And so we need both. Right? It's not enough to just point out that someone's wrong. You want to point them in the right direction as well. Right? A compass, like we talked about, can point us, can, can show us that we're facing the wrong way, but it'll also show us the direction that we do need to face. And so as we approach God's word and as we encourage each other in Christ, we need to remember that that God's word is there not just to tell us we're wrong, but to point us towards the truth, to point us in the right direction. Well, it may be true to tell someone that they're a sinner, right? Well, it may be true to tell someone that they're wrong and they, they don't really understand who Christ is or who God is and they have misunderstanding. It may be true to say those things, but it falls woefully short of what God desires of us if we don't point them in the right direction, if we don't do it lovingly and full of grace and mercy. Because after all, that's what God showed us, right? If we're in Christ, if we put our trust in him, we recognize that he has, he's given us mercy and grace and showed us love and compassion. And so we should be doing the same for others. We want to point people to the truth, but we need to do so lovingly. 
And so God's word does that. It helps us to see how we're in error and helps point us towards the truth. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. See, God's word kind of reveals those things to us and helps us to see what needs to be changed in our thoughts and our beliefs. But it doesn't just stop there. It also helps us to correct behavior as well. The last two items, correcting and training in righteousness, they're two sides of the same coin as well. You know, this idea of, of pointing out errors in our behavior and our actions, but then also helping us to see the, the actions and behaviors that God desires of his people. God's, God's not, word is, in other words, God's word is not only concerned with what we think, but how we act as well. Matthew seven fifteen through 20 talks about how we will know, we can, we can get an idea of, of, of someone by the fruit of their lives. Right? A good tree will produce good fruit and a bad tree will produce bad fruit. And so as we look at someone and we see the, the actions and attitudes that they put forward, the way that they live their lives will give an indication of what, whether they're, they're, they're a good tree or bad tree. Right? Whether they, it, it comes out of, of their heart. And so Jesus teaches us that we'll, we'll be able to get an indication of, of what we truly believe by how we act. Right? It is, it is how we live, or how we believe, how we think, and the kind of attitudes we have will influence how we behave. And so therefore we need to, um, have God's word kind of point us in the right direction in those matters as well. It's like a, a parent who disciplines a child. Right? We, with Josephine, right? There's times where she misbehaves and doesn't do what she's supposed to do. And the loving thing for Allie and I would be to, to correct her and point out the things that she's doing wrong or else she's going to just keep going down that path. And so she knows that it's time to sit on the bottom step, right? She knows exactly what that means, that it's time to sit in time out and be corrected. And Allie and I don't do that because we don't, because we hate Josephine and we just want to see her suffer. We do it out of love. We do it because we hope that through that discipline, through that loving correction, she will then be able to live a better life and become a better person because of that. And God does the same thing for us. He doesn't correct us because he hates us and and wants to see us suffer. He corrects us because he wants to see us live lives that honor and please him. And it trains us in righteousness. It's not our own righteousness, but it's the righteousness we receive from Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, we don't act righteous in order to receive righteousness from God. We've been declared righteous by him, and so therefore we should live out of that. We should, we should act like it because we already are righteous in God's sight. It's not to earn it. It's not to earn God's favor, but it's, but it's living out of who we already are. And we see in the last verse here, verse 17, that the result of standing firm in God's word, the continuing on in what we believe, is that we'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's exactly what God created us to do. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's what God desires for us in our lives, is to do good works, to, to, to share his love, be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And he equips us through his word, in order to do those good works. And so how do we live out our righteousness? How do we, what are some practical steps that we can take in order to, to be empowered by God's word? We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. We see this example. It's uh, from a passage known as, uh, where Jesus actually got the part of the great commandment from. It reads this way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, it's, there, there's some practical advice here. First, we should allow God's commands to be on our hearts. It's about an attitude change. It's not just 
as I said before, head knowledge, but it's about a way of life. It's about an attitude that we should have. And so we should allow God's word to, to soak in our lives in such a way that it makes an impact in everything we do. Called to impress them on our children. You know, God's word should have a family focus. You know, it's not just about what we do on Sunday mornings, but it's about what we do each and every day. Are we, are we as a family focusing in on God's word? And there's a lot of ways that you can do that. Um, one of the things that Allie and I and Josephine do, and, and there's times that we've been better at it than others, but uh, we have a Bible called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it's a great Bible for little kids, great illustrations, but it's got really good content as well. Um, and so we like to, we'll read a story out of that, you know, with Josephine, and, and she likes the pictures and gets out of it what she can, and we'll, we'll talk about it and pray. You know, it's a great way as a family to focus on God's Word. Um, another thing that we've been doing at the church is, is the gospel project. You know, the, the kids' Sunday school classes and an adult class are all focusing on God's word, the same part of God's word each week. And so we can grow uh, together in that way, and that can hopefully lead to some discussions as a family. Second, uh, another thing, it says think about, uh, think about it every day and everywhere. It talks about talking about these commandments as you get up, as you lie down, as you walk along the road. In other words, how does... How does what you do on Sunday impact every other day of your life? And how can you make Scripture a part of your daily routine? Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things that you can really do and focus on. and uh, Our Daily Bread is one of them. And I know we got free copies over there, but it has daily devotionals and Scripture readings for every day. And you can get it for free. Um, it's a great resource. Another one, if you're a little bit more technologically uh, savvy, you can download an app called YouVersion or the Bible app. Um, and it provides daily readings and reading plans that you can subscribe to. And it's just a great way to just be in God's Word and, and have something that can remind you to read it each day as well. And finally, it talks about physical reminders in your life. Uh, what are some ways that you can just remind yourself and be aware of God's Word as you go, about through, go through your day? I know people that like to write some Scripture passages down on index cards and just stick them in their car, on their mirror, you know, sticky notes, things like that. They're just practical, physical reminders of God's Word. So as you're going about your day, you can be reminded of the truth of God's Word. Um, and then the only way we're going to be empowered by God's Word is if we're in God's Word, as a church and as individuals. And so we need to find ways in order to do that. And, and it may look different for each one of us, um, but as we, as we move forward together, uh, that's, that's going to be the important thing as a church is that we're grounded firmly in God's Word. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the truth of your Word. And I pray that it would be a firm foundation for this church and each one of our lives. In Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and, and sing the opening verse of number 43, Great is Thy Faithfulness. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.